Welcome back to the FFP. Today, me and Rob are going to be breaking down for you guys our top 12 running back rankings. And then in our next video, we'll be doing uh, 13 through 24. So our next two videos, we're going to be hammering out uh, the fantasy starters at the running back position. Um, now, I'll say right now, uh, sorry for how long we've taken to put this video out there. We have already tried to record this like three or four times, and uh, my computer just completely shut down to the point where I tried to hit the factory reset button and apparently I didn't have enough memory to delete files. Like it was just a total meltdown. So hopefully now it's working and this is going to go great. But uh, again, we're going to be talking about just the top 12 guys. Uh, another reason for that being you guys know us, especially at the running back position. This video would be way too long if we tried to tackle all 24. So that's what we'll be doing. Rob, anything you want to add before we get going? Yeah, a couple quick things. Uh, we're going to do our first 12. We call them our RB1. Now, not to confuse with Tier 1. There's a big difference there. But these mm -hmm. are RB1 based on the idea that your standard league size is about 12 teams. So mm -hmm. that would be the first 12 running backs off the board, in essence. Uh, we'll do our running back 2 um, tomorrow. We'll release that for you guys. The other thing we want to say, too, is we believe that you win your league and lose your league with your running backs. Fundamentally, we believe we've done a lot of metrics, a lot of stats. to show That's where you got to have strength there. I will say this, though. We still think running backs are important. But this year, more than ever, there feels like there's a lot of good, solid backs out there. In fact, we have a lot of guys that are in Tier 1 and a number that could very easily break into Tier 1 uh, with the right break. For example, Chubb and, and Kareem Hunt. Uh, one of those guys goes down with an injury. That other one becomes immediately a, a Tier 1 running back. So Absolutely. Most years in fantasy, we put maybe two, sometimes three guys in that Tier 1, and no one else can even compete. I remember that was really the case last year where it felt like no one else could really get into that besides those very few like McCaffrey and a few others. This year, this is the biggest Tier 1 running back list we've ever had, and there were guys that I really wanted to put in the Tier 1, but I just couldn't justify it. So, again, there's a lot of talent this year, and I guess the biggest thing for evaluating running backs is when there is this much talent, maybe it's time to put a little extra focus into not, you know, making some risky picks at that position since you do have the available options. But why don't we just get started? We'll get right into it with our number one guy. All right, so at number one, we've got to go Christian McCaffrey. Uh, of course, last season, it's hard to evaluate him because he's injured last year. But if we go back to the season before when he was healthy, he was just dominant, phenomenal. He had historic Hall of Fame numbers. It was ridiculous. He scored 469 fantasy points. That was not only number one among all running backs. That was number one by at least 150 points. So the next best back, who is Aaron Jones, I believe, uh, only scored or he scored, what, I believe 32% more fantasy points than him. Put that in perspective, McCaffrey could have scored, or excuse me, could have played in just 12 games, and he still would have been the number one back. I mean, I have never, ever before seen a running back absolutely dominate at the position like that ever before. I know where there's some seasons, you know, guys like Sean Alexander getting up there with, you know, 30 and 32 touchdowns and stuff like that. This was really special in that it really wasn't all that touchdown dependent. It was yards. It was volume. It was efficiency. I mean, this is, he became what, just the third running back to ever go 1,000 rushing and 1,000 receiving yards in a season. Of course, in PPR, he got 116 points off of 116 catches, which broke the running back receptions record. Um, and actually stole the leaderboard from himself, who had it previously at 106, I believe the number was. So um, I'm just putting out there, guys, I've never seen a running back dominate at their position as much as Christian McCaffrey did in 2019. Even better than that, though, I believe that the offensive line in the quarterback situation has been improved since then, and that's going to help him out even more. Uh, furthermore, they've got guys like Robbie Anderson there now, and DJ Moore has developed. That's actually becoming a bit of a dangerous offense for sure. Um, but ultimately, what you guys want to know, and I know you do, is, is where's his health at? And as far as I know, his health seems to be great. Luckily, we have a lot of time left in the offseason to continue to evaluate and track that. But that being said, He's back at practice. He has come out and said that he feels he is 100% and that he feels like this is going to be the best season that he has ever had. So we know that maybe it's just, you know, player speak where he's trying to be positive and out there for a lot of people. But in reality, you know, he's definitely showing at least some confidence. So for me, really big on Christian McCaffrey right now. I'm honestly not that worried about the injury. And I know we'll probably talk about this with a few other running backs, but I have seen uh, quite a few running backs have recently come back after injuries and be, I mean, literally better. Adrian Peterson had the best season of his career after coming back from an injury. So um, 
I think there's really nothing to dislike here. You know, as we always talk about it, dual threat efficiency on the ground, keeps himself on the field in the passing game. Uh, there's really no nothing there for me to say that I don't like him or have any thoughts against him. What about you, Rob? Yeah, you know, I like Christian McCaffrey. <clears throat> so one of the things that came in the league and very talented, undoubtedly, great hands, phenomenal receiver, but not a big guy. No, he worked really hard. He put it so much. If you saw him between year one and two years, the guy was a beast. Got in the gym, put a lot of muscle on, and I like that, and he needs that because he was a lot undersized. Concern I have is they, they talk often about a size of a player, and some of it is natural size, guys that are bigger bone, the bigger frames, they can carry a lot of weight. His is more manufactured in the gym. Guys like that often will still struggle with durability issues or health issues. So that's like the only red flag I have is him. But like you're going to talk about, you've talked about before, is that you know injuries are part of fantasy football. There's no way around it. You have to be willing to take a guy like him, and you better have a strong bench because you never know you're one week away from a key injury. So once again, love the guy to death. Worry about durability, but you can't avoid the guy. You'd be foolish to let him drop. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and, and that's something that we need to understand. Guys who get that sort of volume, other than, say, Zika Elliott, who's been just a miracle of health, they're going to get hurt. Dalvin Cook's had injuries, Saquon Barkley, McCaffrey. They have all had injuries. It's so funny. We look at last year, the top two running backs by most rankings were Barkley and McCaffrey, and they both got hurt. Uh, I have a feeling volume plays a big role in that happening, and it's happened before. I remember quite a while ago, you had the number one and number two running backs by my rankings. I don't know how many years ago this was, but it was Le'Veon Bell and Jamal Charles. Those were two of my top three guys, and you had both of them, and they both got hurt, and it was like, you know, you almost have to, at this point, expect it's going to happen. In fact, we look at the top 24 fantasy finishing running backs from last year, and they averaged 14 game seasons. So you kind of have to predict that you're already going to miss two, right, from them. And then how many guys like Barkley and McCaffrey would have finished up there, but they missed many more games than that. They didn't hit, you know, 14. They weren't even hitting five or whatever. So um, definitely be ready to, you know, kind of expect that an injury is going to happen to one of your players. And, and that's definitely a lesson to learn from this. But uh, that for me rounds out Christian McCaffrey. Why don't we get to our next guy? So our number two guy is Dalvin Cook. It's who I got. I love Dalvin Cook. One of my Vikings fans, so I enjoy having him on our team. He's really an impressive player there. But it's not just the bias because I'm a Vikings fan that I like this guy. There's a lot of reason to like him. Last year, pro football focus getting a number two rating among running backs. He's had back-to-back years with double-digit touchdowns with 13 and 17. And last year, he finished second in total rushing yards behind Henry, of course, 2,000 yards. He finished with 1,557 rushing yards. There's a lot of years where that would win you the rushing title. Mm-hmm. Here's what's impressive. He did that in 14 games. He actually averaged 111 rushing yards per game. He was actually first in total yards, and total yards are rushing and receiving combined. He had number one total yards this year with 137 um, first, second to Derrick Henry, 133. So overall, he had more total yards there. The guy's a complete package. You know, <clears throat> there's a lot of things to like about this guy. One, he's got a very healthy yards per carry, so it's not just volume. And last year, he had 5.0 yards per carry, very good. Now, a guy like that obviously had a huge year. You've got to think if your defense is you're going to begin to focus on him, load the box, right? Well, I love the emergence of Justin Jefferson, okay? Obviously, this guy had an unbelievable year, and uh, he's got off-the-world talent. And we forget, you know, it's not too long ago that, you know, Adam Thielen was considered a top 10 wide receiver. This guy's an all-pro. And so guys like that will keep defenses honest. Now, you might have a concern about Kirk Cousins' inconsistencies, okay? Um, it could do one or two things. His inconsistencies could cause the uh, offense to stall out at times, hurting his touches, or it could cause the Vikings to leave more heavily on him. With that, I don't think that Kirk Cousins' inconsistencies really affect his value that significantly uh, before i move on any take on kirk cousins value how it might affect him kirk cousins value uh i don't have much to say about kirk cousins in particular that passing game is more than good enough and for those of you who aren't vikings fans the real problem with the vikings is that the offensive line and the defense much more the defense but for me just addressing the Dalvin cook thing i'll be honest with you guys as a vikings fan i <laughs> The Vikings have burned me enough that I've kind of stayed away from Vikings fantasy <laughs> players, and I've actually regretted not drafting Dalvin Cook. So I'd say, like, if you're wondering, hey, he's at number two, are those Vikings fans being biased? No, in fact, I think I've really regretted not drafting him at times. Or trading him in the Dynasty League where you did have him. Or, yeah, or trading him away because I just can't handle the stress of watching us lose and my fantasy players. I, I think it also came down to something we'll cover shortly, which is his health issues. Yeah, for um, sure. We'll get to that in a bit. But, yeah, anyways, I wouldn't worry about Kirk Cousins' effect on him value-wise. I think that he's going to be fine. So, uh, Either way, you know, here's what I would say. This guy's a complete package. He's got very good hands. He's dangerous in space, quick acceleration. He's elusive. He's not a huge back, and yet he can break tackles. And we see he's got a nice balance. He was 10th in the league in yards after contact and 8th in elusive rating, so he loved that balance that he brings there. 
He's averaged 3.5 catches per game the last three years. And over 16 games, it turns out to be about 56 catches per season. And that's not a fluke. That's what he can do. In fact, you know, on a really good year, he could probably bump that up to, to 60 to 70 mm-hmm. if everything was in the right spot. Uh, do I have concerns? Okay, I'll say this. Gary Kubiak did an amazing job turning that running game into one of the league's best running offenses. And he did that with really below average offensive linemen. That offensive line has been a mess for years, and yet he did a great job. Now, the Vikings have done a lot to really shore up that offensive line, add stability. They've been drafting guys, and I think the offensive line is becoming better and better. But now, Kubiak took over our offensive coordinator. We actually said that, don't worry, Vikings fans, he's going to actually improve that offense in the running game, and he did exactly that. His zone blocking scheme is excellent, but he retired. Mm-hmm. So what effect is that going to have on the running game and Delvin Cook? Um, I don't think it's going to matter. His son took over. And people close to the team really feel like they're going to keep the same approach and the same scheme, so I don't think that affects uh, Dalvin Cook's value at all. Um, another concern I have, and we just talked about it, is durability and his size. Uh, come out of call, this guy was really talented. People thought he had so much potential there, but they weren't about dur- durability. You know, he's only 210 pounds. He's not like a Derrick Henry-type running back there. Mm-hmm. And he has missed 21 games in the four seasons. That's a lot of games that he has missed. He's been banged up often. So what we'd say, you can't pass up Delvin Cook. He's far too talented. But if you draft him, you've got to handcuff him with Alexander Madison. you just mm-hmm. got to do that. Currently, he's number two running back taken in PPR leagues. And uh, that's where he's coming off the board. I would say this. Uh, let's say Henry and Ezekiel Elliott probably have a safer floor, but he's got a higher ceiling. So once again, that's my take on Delvin Cook, the number two back. Too talented to ignore. All right, now at number three, we have Ezekiel Elliott. Here's the thing. I think some people were disappointed in him last season. He finished ninth in PPR scoring, and for a lot of you, you drafted him at you know one, two, or three, and so didn't quite reach the level of production that you had hoped for. However, honestly, I was really impressed with him last season. Uh, what he did was phenomenal. When your quarterback goes down like that, and in fact, did you know the Dallas Cowboys struggle with injuries to their three best offensive lineman that is horrible luck he was running in a terrible situation in an offense I'd say led by Andy Dalton but I don't know if he led them so much as kind of stumbled around while they struggled but (laughs) um, that being said to still finish ninth in PPR scoring shows you just how dominant and productive Zeke Elliott is and he is really at least especially was last season um, and even looking back to like his rookie year really has at times been the heart of that offense which is very abnormal for a running back Furthermore, like just stat after stat after stat, it doesn't matter what you look at. Ezekiel Elliott is phenomenal. His 26 carries inside the five-yard line last year led the NFL tied with Dalvin Cook. So you get that huge volume in the red zone because let's be honest, touches are great, but some touches are more valuable than others, right? Getting the ball close to the end zone, that counts for more. So that's huge. In fact, go back since he entered the league in 2016, he has one of the lowest stuff rates in the NFL of 7.1%, and that is where you get zero or negative yards on a run. Only 7% of the time that happens for him, way better than most of the other running backs on this list. But what really impressed me most, um, what really stood out to me was that the Dallas Cowboys figured out their offense last year. Dak Prescott stepped up, C.D. Lamb stepped up, Amari Cooper continued to be who he has been. They all were phenomenal. And because of that, um, they were really able to get Zeke some more touchdowns. We've always known he's a good volume guy. We've always known he's a good runner. And as we've slowly seen every single year, he's been increasing his ability to do work in the passing game. For me, what stands out is the touchdowns. So when we look at the 11 games he played without Dak Prescott, he scored scored just two touchdowns and was on pace for 2.9 touchdowns on the season. Not very good. However, what really stands out to me was the games that he had with Dak Prescott. In those five games, he scored six touchdowns, meaning he was on pace for a 19-touchdown season. And I really do think that that's something he could do if that offensive line and Dak stays healthy. So for me, I think the sky's the limit for him. We haven't at times seen him be the touchdown guy that we'd like, but we've got safety in that volume and that production, and he really is a, a little bit underrated in the pass catching. I mean, he's no Barkley or McCaffrey or you know Alvin Kamara, but he, he's, you know, he's not a bum in that department either, and he keeps himself on the field. So for me, Ezekiel Elliott right there at number three, really safe pick, and I'm excited to see what the Cowboys can do heading into this season. 
Yeah, you talk about uh, red zone touches. They're so important. If you look at the history of fantasy football and some of the top running back scores out there, you mentioned like Sean Alexander earlier. You think about Emmett Smith, Sean Alexander, Priest Holmes. And of course, the number one touchdown guy that over 30 touchdowns was a Dalen Thomas, and they did mm-hmm. it because of goal line carries. Um, I'll give you one more name, though, of a guy. Because those guys all were really good backs. Here's another guy who actually didn't have a very good year. I think his yards per carry were like 3.8, 3.9. They finished top 10 in fantasy because of his touchdowns. LeGarrette Blunt. LeGarrette Blunt. He had like 18 touchdowns that year. Yeah, so uh, those you know red zone carries are really important. All right, so that's Zeke Elliott. Why don't we continue on and get to our next guy? So we're going to our number four guy. I've got Derrick Henry. One word to describe this guy. To me, he's a beast. When I think about him, he's like a man of boys really that's how he is on the field as far as comparing him to other running backs this guy is gigantic now last year you know he was uh second in yards after contact and uh he was behind you know who he was behind who was he behind i nick don't chubb. know nick, nick chubb. chubb yeah so anyways he was second yards after contact and we'll get to nick chubb in a little bit by the way uh nick chubb has actually dominated in that area before in his running game but let's get beyond let's focus on henry well can i even say something about that uh yards after contact is one of those stats that we strongly emphasize here at the ffp that is a great number that tells you how physical and dominant a back is and it's able to do so apart from the offensive line and cut that out of the equation so this stat is really important. It's not like yards per carry that can really be skewing in a lot of ways. So definitely something to pay attention to. This stat should be taken not so lightly. Yeah. So you look at Derrick Henry and one second in yards after contact. When I watch him run, it reminds me of Earl Campbell. Not before your time. But if you've never watched Earl Campbell, don't know, watch. This guy is a highlight reel. He would run through and over people all the time. And his first three years were insane. Now, um, like I said, every time he touched the ball, it was like a highlight. And you should look at his stats. Once again, maybe you can post that or share something like that or post something on there about, uh, you know, Earl Campbell. Now, after his third year, he did have a drop-off. And I think the reason why Earl Campbell had a major statistical drop-off is he had a ton of injuries because of the way that he ran his running style. Now, if you look at Earl Campbell, he was 5'11", 232, but Henry, 6'3", 250 is a lot bigger. And I think it's going to allow him to, to really handle that wear and tear and give him a longer and more productive career. Now, if you look at... Henry, his first two and a half seasons in the league were kind of a disappointment. He struggled. If we're being honest, mm-hmm. okay, look at the numbers. His yards per carry were not that great. In fact, in year three, through the first 12 games, his yards per carry were 3.7. It wasn't good. He was mm-hmm. trending downwards. But then the last four games of 2018, this guy just went off, and since then, there's been no looking back. He finished that year in four games. He had 585 rushing yards in four games and a 6.7 yards per carry. Now, he's actually improved his yards per carry from 4.2 to 4.9 to 5.1 to 5.4 last three to four seasons. So he's getting better in that area. I don't think he's going to top 5.4 again because that's just a, that's a high bar. It's really hard to hit, especially with the volume he's getting and the fact that, you know, defenses are they're not surprised when he runs it. Um, and that's funny. It's, you know, sorry to take no. say something, but uh, uh, we were talking about the Tennessee Titans when we did the Julio trade, and I was looking at those stats. What is it? 3.8 yards per carry in the first quarter and 6.4 in the fourth quarter. Like, he just gets better as the game goes on. You don't really see that with backs other than, I mean, only a few guys like, say, him and Peterson. I don't know. I just There's only a handful of guys that really do that. They get better throughout yeah, the game. Yeah, I think they wear down defenses. A guy like that's so big and physical. If you're a safety, a cornerback, or maybe even an undersized linebacker, you know, early in the game you're making those hits, but you start – getting all that punishment from that running back come fourth quarter you're worn down you're exhausted you try arm tackling it doesn't work and that's what he does now it's funny because what improved his game and i've talked about this before i don't know how if i'm impressed or confused by it but he really accredits his improved game to advice he got from eddie george and his big advice was run hard every time you got the ball i just assume that you do that as a running back but whatever it paid off it works out he's running physical and we see it his last three years, he's had double-digit touchdowns with 12, 18, and 17, so going back to goal line carries, he gets that. Now, Corey Davis left. Uh, A.J. Brown's very good, but you got to think if you're a defense, they're going to load the box. You've got to load the box. Now, last year, he faced a loading box 28% of the time, so that's going to go up, right? At least it appeared to be so, but then they brought in Julio Jones. With Julio, it's got to be really hard if you're a defense to load the box, right? It's just going to be very risky to do that, mm-hmm. so... I don't think that number is going to go up. I think you'll see about the same amount of loaded boxes as last year. So there. Well, and Julio Jones, he's not just a good wide receiver. Remember what type of receiver he is. He stretches the field. He loves to make big 15, 20, 30-yard catches. That's what he loves to do. So it's also plays that he's not just an effective wideout, but he's not running slant routes. He's taking safeties, corners, and linebackers deep. So that really is going to open up the field more than just you know any old wide receiver being added to the team. 
Uh, my concerns with Henry, um, one, he had 2,000 yards last year. He's probably not going to do that again. Um, no other running back has repeated that. It's only happened eight times. So very unlikely he's going to repeat that, especially with the addition of Jones. That'll get some of those touches. Um, he's a one-dimensional back. In the standard leagues, he's a stud. In fact, standard leagues, he's probably the number one guy. But he's got a lower floor in PPR leagues. There's so many running backs right now that are highly involved in PPR leagues. Um, it's a little bit. He's kind of the the odd back out there. That's not the case for him. He's only averaged 15 catches per year. So once again, uh, in PPR leagues, he brings a, a little bit of a, I don't know if you call him devalue. I wouldn't call it risk, but he definitely lowers his value in PPR leagues and standards. So once again, this guy's solid, but a great running back, stable. Um, can't go wrong with Doug. Derek Henry. Absolutely. I tell you what, I mentioned at the beginning of the video, if there's one thing I love about this guy in fantasy value, he's a safe pick. There are no concerns there. So love him there. Let's get to our next guy. All right, here at number five, we've got Alvin Kamara. We look back to last season, he finished number one among all running backs in PPR fantasy scoring. And he did something that I noticed that I've never seen another running back do. I looked back at the last decade and I've never seen another running back do this and it is that he not only finished number one in fantasy points but he also finished number one in fantasy points per snap that is volume and efficiency combined together in a way that I have never seen another running back do when Alvin Kamara touches the ball he makes plays and it is so fun to watch that being said there is one major concern and that is the loss of Drew Brees and the quarterback concerns I'll address that in a second but I just want to talk about how effective he is in the passing game because we know he's a pretty good runner and he isn't a good offense. Uh, but how effective he is in the passing game is just kind of scary at times. He led all running backs with 83 catches. He led all running backs with 756 receiving yards. He led all running backs with five receiving touchdowns and 14 red zone targets. Fact of the matter is Alvin Kamara is a machine catching the ball. And as you know, we've talked about this and you guys know this, it's obvious, but hey, I love that, not just from a PPR perspective, but the fact that it keeps him on the field and keeps him relevant no matter what the score of the game is that offers some extra stability to his fantasy points. Again, that being said, a lot of people forget this, right? You're in a standard league and you go, okay, I like this running back, and you look at his running stats. Don't forget to look at their receiving yards. That is 756 extra yards he had in the passing game. Sure, he doesn't get credit for the catches and he doesn't get the points there, but there are a lot of running backs who would love to have a 750-yard bonus to their rushing. So huge stat right there. He's been unbelievably effective, but let's get to the elephant in the room and the question and the concern of what's this quarterback situation going to look like. And I'll say for one, I'm not as concerned about it as I might be in another offense. The Saints, their coaching staff, and their system has produced production no matter who is under center. Drew Brees has been nothing but phenomenal Hall of Famer. And you know what? They have really extended that into whoever replaces him. Take a look at Teddy Bridgewater. He is a conservative quarterback. In fact, let's be honest, in Carolina, they moved on from him after one year as they weren't happy with his play. But you know what he was fantasy-wise playing for the Saints? Teddy Bridgewater put up some big numbers and had some good games and had a lot of touchdowns where they were managing to move the ball. And then, of course, they put Taysom Hill in there, and it's great. Not only do they go from Bridgewater, the pocket passer, and then they throw Taysom Hill out there who's just running around. It's crazy. It looks like flag football, but they're winning with him. Heck, even Jameis Winston had a nice, long touchdown pass. It feels like no matter who is under center for the Saints, it's not that big of a deal because they are going to produce. And ultimately, we don't have to guess here. We have seen games that Alvin Kamar has played in without Drew Brees, and what we got was 110 attempts, uh, 468 yards plus 35 catches and 240 receiving yards, five touchdowns, and a total of 271 fantasy points in those eight games. That would have put him fourth in PPR fantasy scoring. So boom, here we go. I think fifth makes a perfectly good spot. Drop him down one extra just because of how competitive this is. But yeah, him top five in fantasy, I do think that that is really where he's going to end up this season. Rob, what do you think? Yeah, you know, he, he's another guy that's a safe play. Very solid. You love him. I mean, uh, will Breeze being gone hurt him or not hurt him? In many ways, it could help, but maybe they lean on him more. Uh, Hill last year was great. Uh, very efficient. Did a great job as a quarterback. I do think he'll regress a little bit because now defenses can game plan just for him. Mm -hmm. um, whoever gets that, they say it's an open quarterback competition, but I think right now you'd say Hill's the guy. But I think the little regression, but what's, once again, I just, you know, Alvin Kamara is a stud. There's only thing that frustrates me with this whole thing is, 
uh, in a redraft league. I had him two years ago, and the guy, you know, uh, he just didn't have quite the numbers. A lot of his touchdowns happened beyond in the fantasy playoffs. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, he rebounds last year and just blows up, but that's just the way things have been for me lately in fantasy. Yeah, well, that's just how life goes, I guess. But one more thing, and I'd say this. Um, I'm a huge Drew Brees fan. I've always liked Drew Brees. I don't know why, but here's the thing. He really wasn't kind of himself last year. He struggled, and Michael Thomas had injuries. And so when you look at that, Drew Brees, again, I just didn't feel like he was playing quite as good as he had in the past, and maybe that's why he chose to retire. And then the Michael Thomas injuries, and Alvin Kamara was still fine. So it's not like that was peak prime Saints offense either. Um, but let's move on. We can get to our next guy now. So now we move on to Saquon Barkley. Now, normally I finish talking about a player. I'll talk about their concerns. But I want to start with concerns for him. And here's why. This guy's a stud. There's just nothing to argue. This guy is so talented. Guy's got everything you want to see in a running back. But the one concern is his recovery from ACL surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think he's a few things going for him. And I think you can trust him this year. One, he's young. He's only 24 years old. He's known to have great work ethic, wonderful in the gym, very dedicated. Two, that injury happened early last year, so he had a long season to recover. Adrian Peterson recovered from that the year after and had a huge year. In fact, he has 2,000 yards right after ACL surgery, and Adrian got injured in week 12. So once again, he got injured a lot sooner, more time to recover. And here's the big one for me, if you look at it, is that ACL surgeries have come so far in recent years. You think Adrian Peterson, great after his ACL surgery. Dalvin Cook, done just fine. You can look at uh, Frank Gore, et cetera. You know, a lot of these guys, the surgeries come so far through the years. It's a lot different than 20 years ago. I remember when, uh, do you remember Edwin James? No, I'm too young for 20 that. 20 years ago, yeah, young guys. Anyways, so he's Now I sound stupid, thanks. Sorry. <laughs> running back for the Colts, anyways, he tore his ACL. And back in 2001 when that happened, a lot of the mindsets from doctors and medical people in the professional football field felt like it takes you like a year or two to get back to your health if you ever fully get back. That's not the case now. Mm-hmm. That surgery's come so far. And so once again, I think he's going to be fine. And all reports that we are getting is he looks good. They're saying he's sprinting, jumping. Those around him are impressed by what he's doing. They say that he's on track to return for the start of the season. That's ESPN's Adam Scheffner has said that. Um, he's had no significant setbacks. Now, um, what some might say is the Giants staff have come out and said they're not giving a timeline. They're not saying a whole lot. But to me, you know what that is? That's coach speak. Mm-hmm. They're always going to be conservative. They don't want to put any pressure on them. But everything's pointing to the fact that he's recovered. He'll be ready to go. Uh, here's another concern. The offensive line. They had the fifth worst overall grade among offensive linemen in the last two years. They ranked bottom and eighth in pass blocking and run blocking last year. Once again, that offensive line is not good. One, some players underperformed. They lost one of their top linemen who opted out for 2020. They got some younger players that need to develop and come on. There's room for improvement there. Um, but it doesn't matter because even if that line doesn't improve, he's going to have volume and targets regardless. Mm-hmm. And that's the same offensive line that struggled back in 2019 when he had a very productive year. So it didn't matter. He still produced even with a substandard offensive line. Another thing that's going to bode well from this year is the evolution of Daniel Jones. That's going to help. He regressed a lot last year, right? Mm -hmm. The guy's got to get better. And he's shown he's got upside. He's a quarterback that's shown that he can do a good job back there. He's going to get better, and that's going to help that offense overall. Now, right now, his average draft position is fifth back taken. And that's kind of the consensus. A lot of people expect him to go well, so expectations are high. But why so high? Why fifth when there's so many other good backs available? We talked about after this, there's a lot of good guys that are probably safer plays than him. Here's why he's so high, okay? This guy's a freak of nature, and I mean that in the best way possible. That's a compliment. It doesn't really sound like it. No, he's He's a freak. freak. But this guy's a freak of nature. He really is. Off the chart metrics. He crushed the combine. He's a complete back. Runs hard. He's fast. Quick cuts. He can break tackles. He's got great hands, good size, very coachable. You name He's everything you want in a player. Back at the combine, they have what they call the RAS score, R-A-S, right? And basically what this score is, it combines their, their metrics and measurements with event performance, and they combine it. And the top score you can get is a 10. They rate from 1 to 10. He scored a 9.97, basically perfect score. The guy was crazy. Sounds like a gymnastics score. It does, yeah. You At the combine, he jumped higher than Julio Jones, did more bench press than Zach Martin and Tyron Smith. Talking about some big guys there, some linemen. So those are big B offensive linemen yeah. pushing is what they get paid millions to do. Yeah. So. He ran a faster uh, 40-yard dash than Alvin Kamara. Once again, he's got the best of all worlds. Uh, he's an every-down back that can alter an entire offense by his very presence. And he has a rare ability to create extra additional yardage in space. He's elusive. He's got good vision, feel for space, and open field. He's got great hands. This guy's averaged 4.9 catches per game since he came into the league. 
Over 16 games, that's 78 catches per year. That's phenomenal. He came in the same year, I think, that uh, Christian McCaffrey came in, and, and, you know, they were right there as far as their catches go. Mm-hmm. Now, I would say Christian McCaffrey, obviously, a little bit better pass-catching back, but um, Saquon Barkley is no joke in that area. Now, everything I like from him is that the Giants are working hard to have a strong receiving core, and I think that's going to bring some balance and keep defenses honest. they got Shepard. They brought in Kenny Galladay, Slayton, Pettis, John Ross, first-round pick, Tony, and so they got a lot of weapons there. You add to that their tight ends. you got... Ingram, they brought in Kyle Rudolph, and then Calvin Benjamin, a converted wide receiver, trying to make the team as a tight end. So I think that's going to help um, keep things honest for defenses. Now, obviously, we're going to have to monitor the situation here, and we'll fluctuate it based on information that comes in as we get closer to, like, August. But that's where we got them. Yeah, I don't even have anything to add because you really hit all the points home. He's a well-rounded running back, physical runner, great in the pass game, great situation. They're adding some weapons to take pressure off. What else could you really ask for except maybe a better quarterback? But hey, it's not like the quarterback situation is any worse than it was when he had that phenomenal fantasy season, right? So you just kind of expect that as long as he's healthy, he's going to have a great year. All right, let's start off our tier two running backs with our RB number seven. And we got to go Jonathan Taylor here. Man, I really, really, really tried my best to justify putting him in tier one. And there's really one key reason that I couldn't. We'll get to that. But first, I want to get to the good because he really impressed me last year. I was very surprised by how productive he was. He's a guy I looked forward to and I kind of hoped he would do well. But even then, he he played far better than I expected, especially down the stretch. So we look at it. He really capitalized on a great situation. Uh, They are a team with a good defense and a good enough passing game. They're going to lean on the running game. They're fine kicking field goals. So they're going to be very, very heavy volume to their running backs. And that's great. They also have the third best run blocking offensive line, according to pro football focus. So that's huge. And again, just great situation. He took advantage of it through the first eight weeks. He was the RB 21 in fantasy scoring. He had 118 touches, three TDs and 3.9 yards per carry. So good fantasy points, not very good production there, though. We really struggle with some of that yards per carry. Didn't find the end zone a whole lot. But the second half of the year, I don't know what happened. They found his potential. They learned how to use him. They made some offensive adjustments, and he exploded. Final eight games of the season, he was the fourth running back in fantasy scoring. He took 152 touches for nine touchdowns and 5.6 yards per carry. He was insane. But here's what really gets me. From week 10 onward, his 461 rushing yards after contact was third in the NFL behind only Derrick Henry and Nick Chubb. He suddenly turned into one of the most physical and aggressive north-south just freight train runners in the league, and it was fun to watch. It was really productive, and I think he's going to step up and continue to do it. So where's the concern? Well, the concern is Naheem Hines. And I think he does have a safe floor. I think Jonathan Taylor is a safe pick here. But his ceiling is limited where I don't think he can quite have a Dalvin Cook ceiling when they're giving this many touches to Naheem Hines. On the ground, Hines had 455 rushing yards on 4.8 yards per carry. And in the passing game, he had 68 catches for 490 yards and seven total TDs. So for that reason, I don't think he can quite compete with, you know, a Barkley and a McCaffrey and Ezekiel Elliott, who really are hands down the only running backs in that offense. Um, But that's really just has to do with the fact that they have another very talented back. And that being said, I don't want to scare you too much. He is still the guy. I just think he's not going to quite see the volume as some of these other guys. You know, I think that uh, I'm going to go out there and make a prediction. I think that Philadelphia Eagles fans are going to regret Carson Wentz leaving. Yeah. We talked about this in the video. So if you're not sure about that offense, how it's going to affect the Colts, if you're a Colts fan, you should feel very good about that. We actually did a video and talked about it. In fact, as a Vikings fan, I would rather have us have Carson Wentz right now than Kirk Cousins. And Mm -hmm. there's a lot of reasons for that. But I think you're going to be just fine there. Um, He's very talented. I said the biggest reason why he's not there is one, you know, he's splitting some carries and touches there. But the other one is sample size. Mm -hmm. You know, tier one are guys that there's no question, beyond a doubt, that they have proven themselves. Um, A bigger resume would have been nice, too. Yeah, for sure. If he could have done that for the full 16 games, probably would have been a little, little more comfortable putting him in that tier. But huge guy. I think the sky's the limit for him. Just worry about losing touches. Why don't we get to our next guy, though? Question out there. By the way, I'd love for you guys to make a comment on the bottom. And here's what I want you to respond to. Tell me who you think the best pure running back in the NFL is. I'm not talking about an overall back, pass, catch. I'm simply saying when they get that ball and they carry it, the best pure runner. I'll tell you who I think it is, hands down. I think the numbers support it. It's not Derrick Henry like a lot of people would think. That's Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb is a phenomenal running back. 
this guy is amazing. I love him. He's so underrated. In his career, he's at a 5.2 yards per carry. There's a lot of running backs that would die to have that in one season. This is his yeah. career. Last year, he had a 5.6 yards per carry. And here's why I consider him the best pure runner in football. The yards after contact and elusive rating. We talked about yards after contact, but here's also what the elusive rating is. It's the measuring of success, impact of a runner independent of blocking. So how they do? Um, last year, he was first in yards after contact, and he was first in elusive rating. But in 2018, as a rookie, he was also first in yards after contact. So this is kind of what he does. It's not a fluke. He's got good size, 5'11", 227. He's got solid hands. Now, people don't realize that he's actually a decent pass-catching back, although with Kareem Hunt there, who's very good in the receiving game, that does impact Chubb. He has lost targets in that, so that's hurt him a little bit there. Mm -hmm. And many sites, and here's the thing, man, if you're going to be a good running back, you need to have good offensive linemen. Right now, a lot of experts say that the Bears have the best, I'm sorry, the, the Bears, but the Browns have the best offensive line heading into 2021. Last season, they finished number one in offensive line rating. So once again, got a great offensive line there. They get Odell Beckham back. I think that's helpful. Now, I think that him going down actually helped the Browns because I think they realized that, okay, we are a run-first team, and they're going to stay a run-first team. But having Odell back can only help the team. It's going to keep safeties honest because he's still Odell Beckham there. So it's really hard to sneak too many guys up into the box with Odell Beckham there. Mm -hmm. you know, And they've got some other weapons, so that helps. Here's another thing I love about Nick Chubb, man. I love players with a great attitude, and Nick Chubb has that. He's everything that you want in a running back. He's in the final year of his rookie contract, and at this point, a lot of people would hold out. He wants a long-term deal. I get it. He mm -hmm. wants the money. It's his career, right? And a lot of people would hold out, but you know what? He decided not to hold out of the Browns' mandatory camp, and here's why. He wants to be back on the field with his team. Isn't that a great attitude to have? That is great. Um, do I have a concern for him? One, Kareem Hunt. If he was there, if Hunt wasn't there... He would be a tier one running back, hands down. Um, but last year, Hunt had a very good year also, very productive. And the Browns had success running the ball. They will make sure to bring balance this year. They'll make sure they get a lot of touches in both of their hands. But because Hunt is there, it does lower his value. That's the only concern I have. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. And it's funny that it took them so long to identify that their running game was their strong suit and they needed to lean more on it. We see a lot of teams do that. Uh, it's almost like when like a 14-year-old's playing Madden and they only want to pass. Seattle did it too. What did they do last year? They were insane. They were phenomenal for like the first eight games. And they got too far away from the running game. And then what did they do? They they struggled. They got their butt kicked in a few games and they had some serious offensive issues. feels like we see a couple teams do that every year. And it's just so crazy. But it's great to see like they've really found their identity and they'd be blind to not realize that they really need to stick to the ground game. But that's Nick Chubb, and I completely agree with you, just to let everyone listening know. I think Rob is right. Best pure runner in the league, uh, by our opinion, is Nick Chubb. But it is a competitive race. There's probably four or five guys who are just phenomenal on the ground. All right, here at number nine, we've got Aaron Jones. Guys, it's funny, going way back to when it was, you know, will this be Jamal Williams or Jam Aaron Jones who's going to take over that backfield? We felt like it was going to be Aaron Jones. seemed like everyone out there disagreed with us. Don't mean to brag, but we turned out to be right, and it wasn't a surprise. We saw the talent there, and he's continued to show that talent since he's entered the league. He's been great. Take a look at Pro Football Focus's rushing rating. Since he entered the league, he has been in the 95th percentile among all running backs. He's been just phenomenally productive. Take a look at it. He finished ninth in total touchdowns and sixth in combined yards. He did that in just 14 games last year. So despite missing a little time, he was still huge in the touchdowns and yard category, which, of course, really are the most important thing. And I love how he did it. It wasn't volume, it was efficiency. 5.5 yards per carry. I believe that was fourth among running backs behind really only some phenomenal guys. So great category to be in there. And it's an offense that I trust. When they have Aaron Rodgers, that Packers team is they're going to score touchdowns, they're going to get points. And their offensive line is a top five offensive line in the league. So just putting out there right now, let's just be honest. Let's address the elephant in the room. Rob, what's the one concern? What is it? It's Aaron Rodgers, right? Yeah, is Aaron Rodgers going to be there, yes or no? And I think the answer is going to be yes. And this is the weirdest, like, I hate the way that we have to figure this out with the drama of, like, will Aaron Rodgers play for the Packers or won't he? I'm going to say, and we talked about this a few days ago when we first recorded this video and now we're re-recording. Um, I'm going to say that I think Aaron Rodgers will be playing for the Packers this year despite all the drama. And since I kind of already thought that, we've actually gotten some more confirmation. I believe it was even just like nine or ten hours ago. It was released that uh, Aaron Rodgers uh, renewed his country club membership in the Green Bay area, uh, which is just stupid. We need to pay attention to that. But that's probably a good sign. 
Yeah, I think he's got a few things going for him. One, Packers are poised to compete for uh, the NFC Championship, but they need Aaron Rodgers to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, here's the other thing, you know, uh, what of you might think of Aaron Rodgers, you know, is he prima donna, is he being spoiled, whatever, I don't want to break that down. But he's got a lot of leverage in the fact that a lot of his own players have begun to support him. And you're going to lose that team and the team is split. That puts a lot of pressure on the organization to make it and get a deal done. I think they will. I think they bring him back. Yeah, we've seen more teams like this happen where when a superstar wants something, he really gets his way. And a lot of teams have leaned that way. We've even seen it with like, go to like basketball and LeBron. Like when LeBron wants a decision made, he just, he gets it. Aaron Rodgers is, he's a really good quarterback and he is necessary for teams to, you know, be able to compete at that level because wherever he goes, they're going to be competing. So I think they're going to give him what he wants. I know the drama is uncomfortable. And I know a lot of people are surprised with the whole Tom Brady thing that maybe, you know, he could follow in Tom Brady's suit of actually going to a new team. But I'll tell you that there's, that there's a big difference between those two. And what's the big difference is that um, Tom Brady left to go from a crappy offense with no weapons to an offense with tons of weapons, the most weapons he ever had in his career. Where is Aaron Rodgers going to go that he's going to upgrade from Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones? I, I don't think anywhere right now that would really want to give up the price tag they'd have to for him. So I think Aaron Rodgers is going to stay there. I think Aaron Jones deserves this spot. And when Aaron Rodgers is in that offense, Aaron Jones, the fantasy numbers are there, especially the touchdowns. So our next guy we have here is Austin Eckler. This guy's a PPR stud. The last three years, he's averaged 4.6 catches per game. That turns out to be 74 catches over 16 games. And two years ago, this guy was crazy. 92 catches, 993 yards, and eight touchdowns. All you can say to that is, is wow, that's really good. Last season, he got the sixth best rating amongst backs for receiving. And the two guys that were ahead of him were White and Hines. And White and Hines are really pass-catching specialists as far as running backs go. So really, mm -hmm. you give him like the, the fourth overall rating amongst starting backs. Yeah, he actually was first in receiving rating back in 2019. PPR as a pro football focus gave him the number one rating as far as running backs, ability to receive the ball, hands, things like that, et cetera. He got the number one rating there. And then that same year, he finished fourth in fantasy points among all backs in PPR leagues. So that year, I mean, whoever thought Austin Eckler would be number four running back overall? Yeah. I mean, that's crazy. So he dominates in PPR scoring leagues. Um, and uh, we got a chance to see just how high his ceiling is. But I'm going to be honest with you right now. There are concerns for me. He makes me a little nervous. Mm -hmm. Okay, at five foot ten, two hundred pounds, he's a smaller back. His style, okay, his size don't bode well for your prototypical back in the NFL. Okay, and we see that there's a direct correlation as they've increased his carries, his effectiveness has decreased. Consider this: one year he had forty-seven carries at a five-point-five yards per carry. Up that he had one hundred six carries at a five-point-two yards per carry. Another season at 116 carries, it went down to 4.6. And then the most ever carries at 132, it dropped to a 4.2 yards per carry. So we see that as his volume goes up, his efficiency goes down. I think they're going to understand and kind of keep him in that zone, keep his carries a little bit lower. In fact, we see that three years in a row, he's only gotten 500 plus rushing yards per year. So I don't think he's going to get you a lot of rushing yards. And he's also only had nine rushing touchdowns in four years. That's concerning. And so he's not going to allow the goal line carries there. But in PPR leagues, do not hesitate to grab this guy. In standard leagues, maybe buyer beware. Um, he's still good, and he's got a safe floor, but a little bit higher or a little lower ceiling. And once again, in standard leagues, and, and here's a final thing I put out there. And this is kind of confusing for me. People need to know their scoring system, understand how it affects your drafting. Okay, his average draft position currently in standard leagues and in PPR leagues is, is ten. It's exactly the same. That's not right. It should fluctuate. He should have a high rating in PPRs and a little bit lower in standard leagues. So just consider that when you draft the guy. Well, here's what's especially weird about that. We are still at the point where casual fantasy fans aren't doing mock drafts and they're not drafting in leagues. So this is supposed to be like more mature, more, you know, fantasy freaks who are really into it and they're drafting and they know all this stuff. Like that's supposed to be the good fantasy player who's mm -hmm. making that mistake. It definitely seems like one of those things that you really know better if you've been doing fantasy for a while. So it is funny and I do get it. Sometimes you fall asleep in your draft and you're kind of not, you know, especially in mock drafts and stuff, but but it is an early pick. You know, it's not like this is a fifth round draft pick we're yeah. talking about here. So it is it is weird, but really for me what stands out is that he's so dependent on his ability in the passing game. And when the season started, the first couple of games with Justin Herbert, Herbert was not targeting him very much. And that was a major concern, a major red flag for me. That being said, 
when Austin Eckler came back from injury in his later games in the season, Herbert targeted him a ton more. And that's because, I don't know what it is, rookie quarterbacks in the NFL, they don't check down to the running backs as much. You know who does check down a lot? The veterans, guys like Phillip Rivers who just check down like play after play after play, and it works for them. So um, that was a bit of a concern for me, but it definitely seemed to correct itself as the season went on. All right, here at number 11, we have Antonio Gibson. Here's a guy who finished 14th in fantasy scoring last season. So why bump him up a couple of spots? One, I trust that offense more now that they have Ryan Fitzpatrick. I love Fitzmagic. This is a guy who just doesn't matter what offense he goes into. He makes it work. He gets a job done. He helps stretch the field, makes big plays. No, he's not Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers, but he's definitely more than good enough. And you've got a mature veteran quarterback there who, as I just mentioned, is going to use his talented running back. And Gibson is very talented. He finished 18th in attempts and yards and 24th in targets and receiving yards and still managed to finish 14th in fantasy scoring. That's because, you know, he finished with 11 touchdowns. So he was very productive there. But he wasn't just productive at scoring. He finished fifth in avoided tackles per attempt, and he tied Nick Chubb for second in fantasy points per touch behind Alvin Kamara. The efficiency was there. Antonio Gibson was just dominant. It was a fun surprise to watch, and he was a just deadly weapon coming out of that backfield. So really for me, I'd love to put him higher. I think he is a guy who could have you know a bit of a higher ceiling. You know, we just love to see that offense continue to prove their passing game ability, see more red zone, right? Just continue to just have more offensive success as a whole. That might be the one possible thing holding him back. But even that said, he is ranked fairly high. um, And I really do enjoy watching him play. Again, huge surprise last year from a guy who went from a really small school, late round draft pick to suddenly now is hands down the number one back in that offense. So um, again, was a surprise, was a nice surprise. And we don't really see that too often. It's kind of felt like a lot lately over the last couple seasons, like, hey, it's really become running back by committee. And you know what? We've seen a lot of running backs over the last two seasons kind of shut that down again where guys are coming in. Miles Sanders came in, Josh Jacobs came in, Clyde Hilaire-Edwards came in. Like, we're shifting back to the one running back. Does it feel that way? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's going to always, the league's going to always ebb and flow. But yeah, that seemed to be in some ways that way the league's going currently. So anyways, like I said, my point to that being his volume's not great, but at least he is the guy. And if that offense does make improvements as a whole this year, he should get an increase in volume. Uh, But that's all I've really got to say to Antonio Gibson because it is pretty straightforward, I think, uh, talking about his fantasy value. If you're a Washington fan out there, and by the way, please pick a name. It's just weird. It's the Washington football team. But anyways, um, Washington football team fans out there, I feel really good about your team. Mm-hmm. I think as a team is very underrated. Your defense has got so many young, talented starters and players there. Yeah. And that offense is going to improve. Their quarterback play hindered them last year, and they're going to get mm-hmm. better with Fitzpatrick there. Uh, and I've got a lot of the guys I like a lot. I've got a major man crush in Terry McLaurin. Of course, quarterback. I mean, if you look at the running back situation, that offense is going to definitely bring it up a notch. And I think that team is going to be tough this year. But uh, yeah, I like, the, I like the team. they got some talented players. So here we go. We round out our final guy, number 12, and the first what we call our RB1s, once again, based on the idea that a standard league has 12 teams, and it's David Montgomery. His average draft position is 17th right now, but we have him at number 12. Why do we have him so high? Maybe we don't know what we're doing, huh? Well, I'll tell you what. I think that I like where he's at, at least currently, and I think that you should consider bumping him up and don't take him at 17. Now, some people would argue, well, his stat increased last year because Tariq Cohen was out, and now that Tariq Cohen's going to be back, the numbers aren't there. Now, if that jump was purely volume-based, I would agree with it, but it wasn't. His effectiveness and efficiency took a major bump his last six games. Now, let's go back to 2019, how quickly we forget. 2019, the preseason, man, this guy was being bumped up. People are talking about how great he looked, how wonderful he's going to be. Some even suggested he'd have a better year than Josh Jacobs. Mm-hmm. Okay? But he goes out that year and has a very pedestrian 3.7 yards per carry. Doesn't look that great. Starts 2020, first nine games. Looking more and more like a flop. He didn't look explosive. Didn't have the breakaway ability. Very average. Was it him? What's a team? What's going on? He had a 3.6 yards per carry. He had 472 rushing yards at 2.9 yards after contact. Ugh, that's just not good, right? But the last six games, this guy just exploded. 520, I'm sorry, 5.2 yards per carry. 598 rushing yards. A 3.44 yards after contact. That puts him near the top in the league. That's really solid. And he had eight touchdowns. This guy was off the charts good down the stretch. Weeks one through nine, he averaged 14.6 carries, and after that, it jumped to 19.3. 
Now, he did 54 catches in 15 games. Here's my take on that. One, it shows that he doesn't have to be taken off the field on third downs. I don't expect he's going to have 54 catches this year because Tariq Cohen is going to get some of those catches because Tariq Cohen is very good in space, got great hands. But it shows that he can be on the field in passing situations. So for you, you know, 30 to 40 catches is reasonable for him. Do I have concerns? There's always concerns if you find some of them. There's always going to be something out there that you could find a concern with. One, that offense was brutal with Trubinsky at the helm. Uh, his struggle. One, last year, they're 22nd in the league. year before that, 29th. So their offense hasn't been good. Dalton and Fields were brought in. And you know what? At this point, I think everybody thinks Fields is going to be the quarterback of that team. But even if it's Dalton, I think either way, they're going to upgrade at that position. It's going to improve that offense. Another concern is the offensive line. They lost both starting tackles. That's not good for a team that already struggled in the offensive line. Um, but in fantasy football, it's always about opportunity. Mm-hmm. And we saw that last year. A lot of people mocked us when we talked about, hey, keep your eye on the Jaguars running back situation. There's volume to be had there. There's points to be had there. Don't overlook it. Don't overlook it. Mm-hmm. Man, we got mocked. People said, that's crazy. I wouldn't touch any of those guys. Well, you know what? You missed out on Josh Robinson, who had a phenomenal year. James Same Robinson. Thing. James Robinson, sorry. It's at the end of the video. I've been working all day. James Robinson, thank you. Anyways, um, so here's an opportunity. This guy is the lead back there, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, this is David's team. It's not going to be Tariq Cohen. He's far too small. He's like 180 pounds. He's not going to get the carries. He's definitely what I call gadget player, specifically things like that. It reminds me of Darren Sproles and other players like that. Um, so to me, I, I feel very good about David Montgomery as far as where he's at. Yeah, I totally agree. And I like what you said. His ceiling is limited because Tariq Cohen is coming back. That being said, you have to wonder if the Bears identified, wow, 54 catches. Montgomery's better in the passing game than we thought. You have to wonder if that's going to limit how much they're going to bring Cohen back, right? If they're going to say, oh, maybe we were using him too much. Maybe we do need to keep Montgomery on the field more than we were keeping him on the field. And as for his struggles, it is makes you kind of nervous when a guy struggles, you know, his first year and a half in the league, and then suddenly he really takes off. And you have to wonder, like, what's going on with that? Can that continue? Well, you know what? I kind of learned my lesson. You know who did that? Who kind of sucked and then suddenly got amazing? And the year after, I stayed away from that. It was Derrick Henry. Yeah. And I was wrong about Derrick Henry. I thought, wow, those final, you know, five games of 2018, he can't continue that for a whole season. He can't do it, you know. He got hot, but that's not going to you know, stretch on for a whole season. And uh, and I was wrong about that prediction. I was. So, I, you know, I'll admit that. And I wonder if some people are going to make that same mistake here with David Montgomery. Yeah, so that's what we got. And we got number 12. Once again, that kind of rounds out our RB1s. Once again, not confused with our tier ones. Love to hear your thoughts out there. Uh, comments, leave a question, concern, like, share. Watch. In 24 hours, we're going to release our second video, which will be 13 through 24. All right, guys. So that's our video. All of our top 12 guys for you. Again, we'll be getting into the next 12 guys in our next video. But thank you so much for watching. I'd love to have you guys leave a comment and give us some suggestions for what we'll be doing with the next 12 order. Uh, But as always, you guys have a great day and God bless.